Welcome to the 77th episode of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports writer Rusty Simmons. Rusty, who covered the Warriors for us from 2009 to 2016, has been back helping out on the beat in recent months. On Thursday morning, Rusty sat down with me at my apartment in Alameda to preview what should be a chaotic free agency for the Warriors. We went in-depth on the Kevin Durant situation and broke down the odds of the rest of the free agents returning to Golden State. We'll have our conversation right after the break. All right, Rusty, we're here at my humble apartment in Alameda. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, and we're a couple weeks removed from the Warriors' finals loss to the Raptors, but you know how this beat is. There's never never a dull day, even in the summer. Uh, this is probably the craziest summer in Warriors franchise history. I think that's fair to say. Uh, a lot of important questions facing the Warriors right now. we got free agencies starting here in a couple days um, on Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday. Sunday at 3 o'clock. Sunday at 3 o'clock because I'm just used to the June 30th <laughs> number, which has been hanging over us for like nine months now. But, yeah, I guess that is Sunday at 3 o'clock. And um, the Warriors have nine free agents, uh, most notably Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Um, we're we're going to sit down here. We're going to break down every single free agent, what their prospects are of coming back to the Warriors, what their situation is. But we're going to start with the most important two on that list, and those are Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. I think Clay Thompson is an easy one. Um, Clay Thompson's coming back. He's getting a max. Uh, he's in L.A. right now. My understanding is right at 3 o'clock on Sunday, Bob Myers will be in L.A., sit down with him, give him a max offer. Clay Thompson will sign it, and they will move on with their lives. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. The one outlier I would put in that is that if they were shooting Space Jam 2 a little bit earlier, if he was hanging out in L.A. and saw that lifestyle, maybe there's a chance something happens there. But I think you're exactly right. The Warriors understand the importance, how well he compliments Steph Curry. They offer him the max on day one, and then everybody goes and hangs out at a dog park. Yeah, and I, I think there's this is the least stressful experience that they could possibly have. Uh, Clay's been very open about his desire to come back. The Warriors have been very open about the desire to bring him back. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. He's arguably the second-best shooter of all time. He's the second or third most important player in the organization. Uh, he's a foundational piece, and you got to pay him whatever whatever you can. So that that's going to happen. The bigger question is Kevin Durant. Um, now, there's been a lot of uncertainty around that situation. Um, Kevin had surgery June 12th on his Achilles in New York. My understanding is that he has stayed in New York this entire time with his manager and business partner, Rich Kleiman, who's a New Yorker. Um, And he is going to stay in New York throughout this process. Um, My understanding is that he's not sure how many meetings or if he's going to have any formal meetings. The Warriors are expecting to have a meeting with him. But for the most part, he's planning to just kind of hunker down in New York and mull over his options. The reality is he knows what all these teams can offer him. They don't – any boardroom pitches are kind of pointless because he knows what the situation is. He's had nine-plus months to think about this. Um, my understanding is it's it's down to four teams. It's down to the Warriors, the Clippers, the Nets, and the Knicks. Um, what do you think about – 
those four options and and where we could see KD gone. It's been a, an interesting thing because I almost feel like, from my perspective, there was more clarity on what he was going to do with the All-Star break than there is now. Um, I think so much has changed. Um, and I think you're right that in his past free agency, when he had teams come in and make pitches in the Hamptons, I think it's going to be very different this offseason. Uh, I think he, he, he had the line about, I can't be recruited. And I think that's right. I think he knows the exact situations. Um, again, I always like to have an outlier in these things. And I will tell you that Jerry West is the best at closing deals in the world. And while I think that the Clippers are the furthest out of those four teams for a chance, uh, I never count Jerry West out of a conversation. Really? So you think the Clippers could actually be in the mixer? I do. Like I said, I think I think the Warriors and Nets are somewhere like in the 45% range of each of those. And then there's a slight chance for the Knicks and the Clippers are the, the last. But... But if Jerry West gets in the room, there's a chance. I think the Knicks have a better chance uh, than than you might be thinking. Um, the Clippers, you got to wonder if the Clippers should even want Katie because the Clippers are coming off a, a surprisingly successful season, played really well after the Tobias Harris trade, surprised a lot of people, pushed the Warriors to six games in the first round. They have... Uh, some nice pieces, and I think they're a superstar or two away from legitimate contention. When you have that situation, a lot of your core pieces are either in their prime or at the back of the end of their prime. Why wait around for a year? And so, uh, as we know, Clay, uh, both Clay and KD will probably miss all of next season. I think it's even more likely that KD misses all of next season. So whoever signs him is signing him, not expecting him to play until... 2020-21 and for a team like the Nets or a team like the Knicks it makes a lot more sense to kind of reorient your goals toward 2020-2021 whereas the Clippers I'm not sure I want to press pause for a year if I don't have to um, they're still very much in in the running for Kawhi Leonard um, and I don't think Kawhi Leonard comes to the Clippers to be Kevin Durant's sidekick um, so I don't think they're going to get both of them um, if, if it's between Kawhi Leonard and KD, I'd much rather have Kawhi. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I think a, a huge point that you make is where the Clippers team is as a franchise right now. Um, and I think you're right. If I if if I understand what everybody is talking about, they like Kawhi more than Kevin. So does Jerry West even make that call? I don't know. Um, but Kawhi makes a ton of sense for them. And the Nets are actually kind of similar to the Clippers in that they have cap room. They got a young core. Um, and they're not doing the thing. The Clippers want to keep this group together and to add to it. The Nets, it seems like, are considering Kyrie Irving going away from D'Angelo Russell, like, you know, really yeah. changing everything. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're they're closer to, to the Kevin Durant situation than, than the Clippers would be. And I always think back to this. Like, I started by saying there seemed to be more clarity at the All-Star break than there is now. So I guess I shouldn't count the Knicks out as much as I do because that was where he was always going. So so who knows, yeah. right? No one really knows. Uh, people assumed because the Knicks did the Christos Porzingis trade with Dallas that they had some inside intel. And, you know, I think they, they did that, that trade believing that they had a legitimate shot at KD. And I think they did. And I still think they do. Um, the, the interesting thing about it is... Uh, I've been hearing that KD bought a place in New York. Now, you don't know how 
much stock to put in information like that. The reality is these guys have houses all over the place. Katie has two places in the Bay that I know of. He has a place in LA. He has a place in New York. So that's not necessarily a huge deal. Um, but it does seem like he is interested in playing in that market, whether or not it's with the Nets or the Knicks. Uh, I think, I think he loves how big it is. He loves what, basketball means to that city he's a a basketball junkie he's played at Rucker he knows all that comes with that and I think he loves the idea of playing at Madison Square Garden and I think he loves the idea more importantly of lifting a historic franchise that hasn't won an NBA title since I think 1973 to uh to relevance and at the, the 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 center of this entire conversation it's all about Katie's legacy and if and when he does leave the warriors it's going to be to become the guy for a championship caliber team that's that he he feels like to submit his his legacy as the greatest player of his generation that's what he needs to show he needs to be the man on a championship team that's never going to happen with the Warriors uh as long as they have Steph around and Steph's not going anywhere so that's the biggest you know a lot of people bring up the fact that the Warriors can offer more money in more years which is true they can offer uh five years 221 whereas no other team can offer more than four years 163 I think it is um so you're looking at 57 million more and he's if he signs that that supermax with the Warriors he's going to be making around 50 million at the age of 35 and this is a guy coming off an Achilles. So there's no guarantee that come 2024 he's going to be able to sign a an extension with whatever team he's with for that type of money. So if he wants the guaranteed money and even for someone that makes as much money as KD, that's significant money. Uh, he would sign with the Warriors. But I honestly feel like the legacy factor and what people think matters more to him. I agree with you. Um, it's it's hard for us to say. Like You think about that kind of money, um, especially when you, you talk about his next contract would be coming at 35 with an Achilles, right? Um, so the money would be hard to walk away from. But I think you're right about, about Durant that – um, he thinks about all this legacy stuff. He thinks about what his impact is going to be on the league. Uh, and right now, he's viewed by a lot of people around the league as a higher gun for the Warriors. You're right. He's never going to be the top guy here. Um, and so what would that do to change his legacy if he went to one of the New York teams, especially the Knicks, um, and won a championship there? It would solidify his legacy forever. Yeah, I do feel like if he signed a Supermax with the Warriors and won another title or two, he would, he would eventually go down as a core member. Yeah. Um, but... If he leaves this summer, he'll always just be known as a mercenary who came in and just to kind of pad his postseason resume. And the interesting thing about all this is it's like, you didn't know this three years ago? You didn't know that this was going to be the situation? That you were going to, you know, never be the guy? And that you you were never going to be able to necessarily vault past LeBron as long as you're with the Warriors? But but the reality is, I don't think KD thinks that long term I think he's very much a a guy who whose feelings change or they're very fleeting and I talked to someone close to the situation who told me I have no idea what Katie's doing but what I can tell you is that he's going to change his mind 12 times (laughs) before he decides like he doesn't know what he's doing and he will not probably know what he's doing until the moment he actually puts pen to paper and even then he might have doubts you know that's that's who Kevin Durant 
is. That's who he's always been. Um, but, uh, you know, do you, do you think that the reality of the situation is that from a basketball standpoint, in terms of what we know he wants, the Nets make the most sense. Uh, they, they have a roster that is young, pretty deep. They're well run. They have good coach. They have a great general manager. I think what Sean Marks has done with no draft picks there has been absolutely incredible. Uh, to, to, they outpaced expectations last season by making their first playoffs in four years. So they're well positioned to kind of make a leap in the Eastern Conference. And if they add someone like KD, I think they immediately become a contender. And if they can add both KD and Kyrie, I think they become the favorites potentially in the to win the title. Uh, we're talking in two years when, when KD actually can play. Uh, but all that being said, I mean, so at the end of the day, it's probably the only situation where he can go be the guy, lift a franchise to relevance, and also immediately be within reach of a title, which is, checks all the boxes, right? But they're the Nets. Yeah, yeah. That's I right. can't fully get over that. They're the Nets, though. Yeah. Can you see Kevin Durant playing for the Nets? I mean, I think that's what people have a hard time imagining is, like, even though they make more sense on paper, do you really go to a second fiddle team uh, with a much smaller fan base in a, a newer arena with no history uh, right down the road from a team that is always going to be valued more, that's always going to mean more to the city? I know it's so funny because you talked about the importance of playing in Madison Square Garden, and instead he's going to go play in the shadow of the Mecca, right? Like it, it Barclays seems, is nice. It's beautiful. I like Barclays, yeah. but it's not the Mecca. It doesn't have the history. That's right. Um, and I laughed when you were talking about Kevin changing his mind all the time because at the end of his run in Oklahoma City, everybody around him talked about he doesn't want to be the guy. He likes Russ being the alpha, right? Everything's fine. Then he comes to the Warriors, and he tries to take on this persona of villain. He knows what the league thinks that he's done, right? And so he takes on this persona of villain. That's not who he is. Um, and then you see the banter back and forth on social media. He is. He's, he's changing his mind all the time. Um, he's fighting for his legacy. That makes me lean toward the New York teams, but the Warriors always pull something off. Maybe the thing that makes the most sense is he gets the most money signing with the Warriors. He, he's going to rehab in New York anyway. So he just holds him hostage for a year and then demands a trade. Then he got the most money and gets to go to New York when he can actually play. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't. I don't think he wants to deal with all the speculation and reports anymore. I think he wants to sign a long-term deal and just stay wherever he's going to stay for a while. Because I, I do think he had a hard time dealing with all the speculation this year, even though it was kind of it was a product of his decision to not talk about it and to not even give the Warriors the slightest of reinforcement. Um, but we know now that the reason he didn't was because he, he's legitimately, I think he's thought there was a strong possibility of him leaving from the moment he stepped into training camp in September. Um, so it'll be fascinating. Uh, Vegas has the Nets as the front runner right now. I would have, the Nets is my front runner based off just everything I've been hearing. Uh, I still think the Knicks, I honestly think the Knicks have just as good of a chance as the Warriors at this point. I just think the allure of uh, Madison Square Garden 
uh, just means that much to him. And I also think that he probably has confidence that since he's sitting out a year, even if they can't get a huge free agent this summer, they have a year where that actually in some ways helps the Knicks' chances where they could uh, they could have a year to vet the market and, and get someone to come in and, and team with KD. Um, and then also, in the meantime, be the worst team in the league next season and hopefully get the number one pick or top three pick to pair with that as an asset in a trade or, or to play alongside KD. The other thing that I think we sometimes diminish from the outside is we look at the roster. We look at the roster makeup. We look at how many draft picks a team has, how much salary cap room there is. And I know the players think of that way too, but Kevin Durant thinks he's the best player in the world. So he thinks as soon as he goes to any team, they're now a championship contender, if not the favorites. So I'm not sure, like, from his perspective, if if he breaks down the roster and cares that much, right? He's thinking, if I go to the Knicks, now all of a sudden they got a chance to win a championship. He's not thinking, well, I hope we get really good draft picks and can also bring in Kyrie, right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, if I'm him, the thing I'd just be most wary of is the ownership. I mean, it's been such a, for lack of a better term, shit show. It's just been... It's just been such. I think, been is, a, I think that is the term. Actually, they've yeah. been the punchline of the league ever since he's been their owner. Um, and, but I, I kind of agree with you that I think he has enough confidence and swagger to believe that you know what, James Dolan doesn't matter, the roster doesn't matter. I'm K. I'm as he said famously a couple months ago. I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. You know who I am. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of like your thinking there, uh, and that's you know you said just a couple minutes ago you didn't think the Knicks, but yet you're waffling. you're waffling, waffling in front right. of us. Um, yeah, so it'll be fascinating. I don't I don't expect this to be a situation where, you know, he signs a contract July first. Um, I, I expect it to go probably past past Independence Day, uh, leak into summer league time a little bit. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I I said on the radio this morning. I think there's over seventy five percent chance he does not play another game for the Warriors, and I I'm sticking to that. So, um, but you know everyone's talking about KD for good reason. But there's you know outside of KD and Clay, there's still seven more free agents. Um, so just for fun, let's uh, let's go down that list. Real fast, let's break down um, Can we just take the possibilities. Moment? Can we just take a moment to appreciate that the Clay Thompson discussion took about two seconds? Yeah. And the Kevin Durant one took we're 30, on, we're 30 on minutes. We're on minute 18. Yeah, yeah. I think about 17 and a half of those minutes have been about Kevin Durant. And how much the Warriors should appreciate that Clay Thompson is no maintenance? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of superstar caliber players that would feel the need to not even have meetings or have any sort of deliberation the fact that clay's just like i like i'm happy here let's do it i mean the warriors should really appreciate that and that honestly makes him even more valuable the fact that he's not a headache the fact that he's you know what you're gonna get from him um so yes warriors fans if he's not already favorite player he should probably be near the top at this point um so let's go through the list here we got jordan bell andrew bogut quinn cook demarcus cousins jonas jarepko kavon looney Alfonso McKinney. Alfonso McKinney is kind of a weird one because he has a non-guaranteed team option, but they still have to make a decision for him, so I'm including him in this discussion. Um, let's start with Andrew Bogut. That's an easy one. Uh, Bogut 
is returning to Australia. He's he's a part owner of the Sydney Kings. He's he's honoring the rest of his contract, his the rest of his two year contract with the Kings. So he's already, I believe, back in Australia, and we'll play that out. He has said that if the Warriors are interested in bringing him back for a playoff run next year, he would be open to talking about it. He he's in, he enjoyed his time. He, the Warriors mean a lot to him, but uh, he will not be back with the Warriors next season. Yeah, I think that's uh, the easiest one. Um, you know, he's going back. I think he. I think he told me he gets like twelve percent ownership if he finishes out the contract yeah. in Sydney. So, um, yeah, that's. He's of course going to go do that. And yeah, a year when he first came in, I thought this this makes sense. Like the Warriors might keep doing this every year, bring him back to do these things. I'm not sure they're going to be in a championship hunt at the end of next year. So maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe they never see him again. But um, yeah, that's the easiest one on the list. Yeah, and then the next we have Jordan Bell, who I wrote about yesterday. I'm doing a a season review where I'm I'm recapping every guy's season and, and looking at their off season. And Jordan Bell is one of the more interesting question marks outside of KD, of course. Uh, the Warriors have until Saturday to tender him a $1.8 million qualifying offer, which would make him a restricted free agent. Um, and to me, this is a tough decision because – on one side of the coin, he is a cheap body who you know, a cheap big man who you know, and the front court's already really depleted. The only center currently under contract for next season is Damian Jones. And so you just kind of need cheap bodies. And so I would understand why they just say, hey, here's 1.8 mil. We'll figure it out. You know, hopefully you get better. Hopefully you can kind of work past these inconsistencies. But on the other side of that, it's like you've had two years. You're still really inconsistent. You have maturity issues. Your work ethic has been questioned. You know, how much more investment do you want to have in a guy that still hasn't figured it out? I mean, he had a couple moments in the playoffs, later in the playoffs, where you saw signs, but then he had a couple boneheaded plays in the in the finals. And it's just I'm not sold on him at all as as a not just as a piece for the Warriors but as an NBA player. Like I'm not sure if he belongs in the league long term. Uh so what would you do if you were the Warriors with him? It's a it's a tantalizing thing because uh you see his skill set and his athleticism and you're like, "Man, I don't want to be the GM that lets him walk for nothing and then go somewhere else and be, becomes a star." But when you started out your point on him, you said the Warriors know him. And I think that's the problem is yeah. they know him right. and they know that the veterans had to tell him to show up to practice. They know that he plays practical jokes on the assistant coaches that aren't funny. He knows they know that he's had an encore spat with the head coach um, and they know they can't trust him on defense. So they know. Yeah. So I think it's a situation where they might offer they might give him the one point eight million qualifying offer. But if there's any team out there that wants to even give him like one point nine two, it's like, all right piece i personally if i'm bob myers i probably wouldn't give it to him and i just say you know what i like eric pascal mm-hmm. they got at 41 i actually think this sounds weird to say because he was just drafted but i actually think he's in some ways a more, could be a more reliable rotation player from day one next season than jordan bell and so you you put time into developing him instead of taking away minutes from him to give to jordan bell who is a very similar player, but he's actually not as developed offensively, and I think he's less consistent. So I personally would probably invest in in Eric 
Pascal and move forward. But I would understand if the the Warriors gave that him that one point eight million dollar qualifying offer. Um, so next on our list is Quinn Cook. Um, so he they have until Saturday to tender him a one point nine million dollar qualifying offer, which would make him a restricted free agent. Um, everything I'm hearing is that they're expected to do that. They really like him. They're high on him. They don't have really any backcourt depth, especially considering the fact that Sean Livingston is, is probably going to retire. So you need bodies. He's a guy who, you know, who's uh, contrary to Jordan Bell is a hard worker, a good locker room guy gets along with everyone can, you know, when you need scoring can hit the open jumper, he needs to be better defensively, but um, he know he can play his role. The interesting thing about him is you, you brought in a guy with your first round pick who's, in my opinion, kind of a poor man's Quinn Cook in uh, Jordan Poole. Um, do you do you want to just try, try to develop him and not take those minutes away from him? Uh, do you want to give Jacob Evans some more minutes at backup point? Um, those are all legitimate questions, but I think you just need bodies, and one point nine mil for Quinn Cook is worth it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I know this sounds like Mark Jackson, but I think Quinn Cook is one of the best shooters in the game. Um, I don't think that's hyperbole. I think he can flat out shoot. Uh, And at least I trust him enough that he's going to keep grinding and working to become a better defender. He's never going to be great, but but I think he'll keep working at it. Um, You're right. Everybody likes him. Uh, He's a great locker room guy. I think he probably ends up going wherever Kevin Durant is if it's up to him. But, um, yeah, the Warriors – have the have the ace card on this they can keep him if they want to yeah because they also have his early bird right so they can exceed the salary cap to match any reasonable offer that other teams would make so i could see them even going above 1.9 a little bit if they had to unless you know unless it was just out of this world which i don't see happening i, I want to this is interesting so we've hit two guys in a row jordan bell and quinn cook who the warriors drafted guys to develop and replace them and i think that'll be a really interesting shift to see what they're thinking next year. Do they take it as they're already going to have a redshirt year for Clay Thompson? Um, do they take it as a year where they start developing some players, something that they – Kevon Looney is the only guy they've developed since 2012. Right. So do they turn that idea and start kind of getting these guys minutes and developing guys, or do they stick with Jordan Bell and Quinn Cook and keep rolling those guys out there? Yeah, and it's interesting because I do feel like Clay Thompson's going to come back, you know, in time for the playoffs. So – you want to at least him it might be the all-star break yeah i mean so you want to at least be in the hunt for a playoff seed so that when clay comes back because once clay comes back you you guys have a shot i mean you have clay you have steph you have draymond you you have a chance um so i just think they need to it's going to be an interesting balancing act that they have to navigate next year in terms of developing the young talent while also making sure that they're still in contention for a playoff seed, but in terms of Quinn Cook, he's—I don't think he's a high upside guy. His ceiling is not super high, so he's not necessarily someone you need to put a ton of time into developing right now. Uh, one thing that'll be interesting with him is uh, if the Durant situation lingers, does do the Knicks or Nets come come out and say hey, just throw money at Quinn Cook and say, "Hey, we need you. We need you to help us get KD. Come." Like, you know, because there's already been reports that the Knicks are, are, or sorry, the Knicks already have DeAndre Jordan, but that uh, the Nets are interested in trying to sign DeAndre Jordan to sweeten the deal for 
KD, and if you got Kyrie, you have DeAndre Jordan, you have Quinn Cook. Those are probably his three best friends in the league. Uh, that would be pretty hard for KD to pass up the chance to play with those guys. And I think KD's someone who cares a lot about that, about being around friends and having people to hang out with. And so uh, that would be interesting. Um, DeMarcus Cousins is next on our list. He is uh, he's an interesting conversation as well. Um, the Warriors can only offer him $6.36 million for next season, which is probably below his market value. Um, everything I had been hearing a couple weeks ago was that he was probably in the market for at least eight to nine mil in that range, which is outside of the Warriors range. Does he, does he see that the Warriors need scoring next season and, and come back and take a little bit of a pay cut and take a little bit less than he could to, uh, to have a chance to, to, to put up numbers on uh, a team that's made five straight finals? I don't think so. I think he already took his, his year of, of that salary, right? Um, I think he's gonna go. Somebody's gonna overpay. He's gonna he's gonna get a ten or twelve million dollar one one year contract somewhere, and I think he has to take that. He's already had the year where he didn't make money, um, and like he said during the playoffs when he was coming back from the injury, he said the league already knows. I don't I don't need to show them anything else. Um, so the league generally knows he's healthy. They know what he can do uh, for pr- production wise, and somebody's gonna overpay. Probably somebody like the New York Knicks. I think, yeah, it probably will be the Knicks. It came out, I think, yesterday that uh, I think it was Mark Stein from or someone like that who reported that if the Knicks can't get KD, that Cousins will probably be their fallback plan and they'll just offer him a big one-year deal, uh, which, which is not a bad idea. Um, you know, he's still a very talented guy who I think if, if you know, given a longer leash, could have a, a, a all-star caliber year. I think he still has it in him. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think he's gone, and I think he's going to get a bigger payday somewhere else. Um, next is Jonas Drebko. Um He had an interesting year. He started off the season really strong, had that big that game winner in Utah, um, was in the rotation for the first – really until the all-star break, and then kind of – Fell out of the rotation. Alfonso McKinney kind of beat him out for minutes and wasn't really much of a factor in the playoffs. But he's a reliable guy. You know, he's a journeyman guy who I know Steve likes. Um, the Warriors can re-sign him to a one-year $3 million contract. I don't think he's worth $3 million at this point. Um, I expect them to part ways and say and wish him the best and try to get a little younger at that position. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Um his name always makes me laugh because in the Twitter fandom, the ratio of importance versus the reaction you get to Jarepko yeah. is, is remarkable. Um, but, but I think you're right. I think he served his purpose. They brought him in to do exactly what he did. He had a great first half, um, and Kirk knew he could rely on him in certain situations, and those situations are over. Yeah, I mean, he was an upgrade on Omer Caspi, which is really all they were asking him to be. Um but he and he'll he'll land somewhere. He'll sign a minimum somewhere. His career's not over. He showed enough this season to to get another opportunity somewhere else. Um, then uh, Kevon Looney. Uh, the good thing for the Warriors is they have his bird rights, so they can offer him his market value, whatever whatever he's getting on the open market. The Warriors can can match, um, and I expect them to do that. It's rare that you see a head coach, much less Steve Kerr, go out of his way publicly to lobby mid season. 
to sign a guy to a long-term deal. But he did that multiple times. Like, wasn't even prompted. And called him a cornerstone of the franchise, a building block, all those all those nice phrases. And I, I believe him and I agree with him. Um, I think Kavon has been a really stabilizing force in that front court when they've had a lot of turnover and they they know what they're going to get from him he's really reliable he's not going to wow you in any way but he uh he's he's going to be in this league for a long time and he can be a really important role role player for them for a while so i expect them to sign him uh as long to as long of a term deal as they can and to probably give him somewhere in the four to seven million dollar per year range is kind of what i've been hearing um but he's not going anywhere yeah, I think you're right. Um, and it's interesting when, when you see names on this list like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins, um, it's easy to forget about Kevon Looney, but he is so important. Um, I know with the hips and the asthma, he's never going to play a ton of minutes, but when he's in there, uh, he makes such an impact. The league is going to switching defenses, so guys who can actually play both spots on the pick and roll, guard to guard, to guard um, are, are – vital and and I think the Warriors know that about Looney so next we have uh Alfonso McKinney who like I said is it's kind of I guess he's not a free agent technically but he they have a non-guaranteed team option on him so he's kind of in the same conversation um it's a 1.4 million dollar non-guaranteed team option do you think he's worth that do you think he's worth picking that up I do um I'm really impressed by him um I think he's a good player and I know that even though he's an older rookie or second year player um I think he actually has an upside I think he's just kind of figuring out what kind of player he can be um and everybody raves about his work ethic so I think he'll become that yeah I I think that uh I really like Alfonso I think that he's proven that he's a legitimate rotation player in this league he he does the reason why he's important is because he does things that are gonna show up every single day even if his shot's not falling he's a really good rebounder he's versatile defensively he's pretty smart um makes good decisions he's aggressive offensively which was like which was the big problem with Patrick McCaw who he basically replaced he actually takes the open shot and he can hit that three-pointer um and if worst worst case scenario next season if the Warriors don't bring back KD and they decide to use that mid-level on someone who's not a small forward either you know a, a shooting guard to replace clay or a center to replace Marcus. it have starting alfonso mckinney is not a horrible option um obviously you can start andre but you want andre to be at his best come the playoffs so i think i could see steve if they don't have another a new small forward starting alfonso still bringing andre off the bench to limit his minutes and make sure he's not dead come playoffs and I, I don't think that's a horrible option. I think I agree with you that he still has potential to tap into, and I think he could be uh, a solid, you know, 10, 11 point per game guy. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day that there's nothing more disappointing in basketball than when you play 24 seconds of great defense and then somebody gets an offensive rebound, you got to do it again. And I think McKinney is a game changer as an offensive rebounder. And this person that I was talking to about it, we tried to think of another shooting guard, small forward, who could say that about. So I think he's got some special skills uh, that nobody else has. I think he can develop into some other things. Uh, yeah, I think he comes back. So well, the, well, the, the interesting thing about 
about doing all this is you, you actually you get a much clearer picture of what the Warriors roster could look like next season. And there's been so much talk, oh, it's, everything's going to be different next season. They're going to look so different. Well, we just went through their nine free agents, and I believe we had six of those almost definitely coming back. Um, so, so five definitely coming back, I, I should say. So, you know, there's going to be some new pieces, uh, but you're still going to have Kavon. You're still probably going to have McKinney, Quinn Cook. Those role guys that Warriors fans have gotten fond of over the past couple of years are still going to be there. Um, so, yeah, it'll be it's going to be a really interesting next next couple of weeks. But, um, but I expect uh, I. I expect it to unfold just as we said because we know what we're talking about, right? right? You can write you can write all the stories now. You're ready to go. Yeah, I mean I already I already wrote my off season primer. You know, you wanna know what's gonna happen, guys, just go to sfchronicle.com. Uh I love you know, I hate being in the prediction business, but I try to give you guys the insights that I that I have. Um so hopefully it's helpful for you guys. Uh Rusty By the way, you guys should all pick up Thursday's paper or go online to sfchronicle.com. Uh, Connor's 60-inch opus on Kevin Durant is worth reading. Thank you. Uh, any, if you have any questions about his free agency, I tried to answer them all there. And that was, a, that was the thing where yesterday I just was like, you know, he finally he declined his option. I was like, I could write this the day of the start of free agency or I could just write this right now. I'm just going to write this right now. I had nothing to do yesterday, so I just did that. Um all right, thanks guys. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna I'm, we're gonna have this podcast weekly throughout the summer. Like I've said before, even when I'm off later in the summer, we're gonna make sure you're probably gonna be the host. Oh, right. Uh, and if you haven't listened to it, definitely listen to uh, the, the the draft reunion, the ten year draft reunion of of uh, Steph Curry. It was a great piece that Ann Killian did, and Rusty had a good podcast with Ann. And then in a couple of days, I'm going to have a podcast, hopefully, with Aaron Miles, the head coach of the Warriors Summer League team, who is the Warriors G League coach. We're going to talk about Alan Smilegeach, who he knows well. We're going to talk about all the guys in Summer League. So uh, stay locked and loaded at sfchronicle.com. I want to thank Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. It's always fun chatting Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.